129 of The Wheel. And in this week's episode, I talk to Karen Tate about her latest book, where she talks about her experience of abuse. She writes with compassion and understanding to help others in a similar position as she confronts the acculturated abuse in society. So first a warning that we will be talking about abuse in case that might be difficult for you to listen to. Secondly, after the interview, I'll read you some follow-up information that Karen sent me afterwards about healing from abuse. And this week, on our Ask a Path segment, our guest is Karen Tate, who is a podcaster and writer, and her latest book is Normalising Abuse, a commentary on our culture of pervasive abuse. So welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thank you for having me, Hazel. I appreciate the chance to talk to your audience. Okay, so... We always like to start by asking our guests if you could tell us about your particular spiritual path. Okay. Well, you know, I actually started out a Catholic in the Bible Belt in the southern part of the United States and, you know, did that uh, going to church every Sunday thing. When I wasn't in Catholic school anymore, I had to go to Sunday school Uh, But uh, that quickly kind of fell to the wayside. Christianity never really got its hooks in me. Uh, I was more interested in ancient cultures and um, alternative spirituality and metaphysics, that sort of thing. And um, at the age of 30, my husband and I actually moved from New Orleans, where I, you know, was born and grew up, New Orleans, Louisiana. We moved to California and uh, lived in Los Angeles for the next 30 years. It was there that I discovered um, goddess spirituality. From about uh, the early 90s through today, uh, that's really been central to my life and the focus of my life. As the years went on, you know, I got uh, deeper into it. You know, it started out just discovering, gee, there's really a feminine face of God across continents and cultures and has been for maybe 45,000 years. Uh, You know, at first it was just awakening to that realization because you didn't learn that in the Christian bubble I grew up in. And then pretty soon, you know, I delved deeper and I learned about goddess as an archetype, a role model. And then what even became more important was learning about the sacred feminine and the values um, and uh, how it's about social justice. And that really informed a lot of my work, you know, in the last years. So moving on to abusive situations and and one thing I was going to say is that I think we need to recognize that abuse can happen to both genders men and women and non-binary people abusive situations seem to creep up on people so how would you say that happens yeah, I I would. And and yeah, just to reiterate, abuse happens to everyone. It happens to men, it happens to women, it happens if you're poor, it happens if you're, you know, well off and rich. Anyone escapes abuse. And I think when you've been abused, it also comes with 
the wounds from that abuse, which we can call it trauma. I mean, when I started researching my book, I realized that uh, there's all sorts of uh, abuse and trauma. There's ancestral trauma that actually lives in our DNA from maybe abuse our ancestors have suffered. They even believe now it's traumatic when a baby is born, the contractions in a mother's womb uh, cause the baby trauma. So then when they grow up in, let's say, an unhealthy environment, they're maybe already predisposed to suffer this, uh, you know, suffer this abuse. But but yeah, I think it does, it can creep up on us, uh, but you can be born into it. I mean, you can be born into an abusive family, you know, an abusive um, community, uh, an abusive religion, and you don't even realize it's abusive. You just think it's normal. Maybe there's a lot of anxiety, depression, alcoholism, sexism, racism, misogyny, all of those things can be going on. And, you know, and we're like a fish swimming in water. We, uh, we don't see it because it's so pervasive. And we just think, well, that's the way it is. We've whitewashed it. We've become desensitized to it. And we don't even recognize it as abuse or exploitation anymore. Yeah, it, it can creep up on us or it can just all of a sudden hit us like a truck, or we can be born into it. It, it. There's just so many ways it can happen. Has there been a change in our attitudes or maybe awareness of abuse? So are we more aware of it now? I I think we are. I hear it about it in the news a lot more than I used to. I'm over here in the United States, and I think it also depends on the part of the country that you live in. I think to a certain extent, there's still a stigma uh, in in some places associated with going to a therapist, getting counseling. I think some people still don't value our mental health, but I I do think it's improving. Uh, I mean, I'll give you an example. I was attacked by a woman wielding a stun gun a while back, and I found out uh, you know, I, I had psychological trauma from it and I didn't realize the symptoms I was having were related, uh, to, uh, the damage to me psychologically from the stun gun attack. And when I mentioned I had PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder to someone, they mocked me and said, oh, so you think you're a soldier now? You have PTSD. I think, there's not a lot of understanding by some people that this isn't just something soldiers have. This isn't just about women being battered by their husbands. Uh, this isn't just, you know, physical abuse. Uh, there's a wide spectrum of abuse and exploitation. I, I hate to put it like this because it sounds grim, but from the womb to the tomb, so to speak, and that's why it's so important that we recognize it so that we can plan an exit strategy so we have a better quality of life, that we do everything we can to see it and get the hell out of there and make better choices so we have a happier, healthier life. So you mentioned recognizing abuse. How can we recognize it? Well, 
when I learned about uh, the partnership way from a mentor of mine, uh, Rianne Eisler, that started to give me a clue. She started talking about the dominator culture in which we live in. Really, you start looking at stuff as, is this partnership and cooperation and collaboration, or is this domination? Is this exploitation? Is this abuse? You really have to look at it, throw out as much as you can, because it's difficult, you know, throw out the belief systems and then just say, okay, is this a win-win situation or is somebody being taken advantage of here? Is somebody being misused? Is somebody being mistreated, bullied? And is the it is it not an equal playing field? I mean, there's so many aspects in our in our world that we just accept this um, you know abuse and and we sanitize it. For instance, here in the United States you know, women don't make as much as men. And what do we call it? We call it um, uh, income disparity. Well, income disparity, that's a real sanitized label, isn't it? But you know what, if we called it exploitation of female labor, I don't know, I think that's getting to the point. And it's, it's calling it out for what it is. It's not sanitizing it or whitewashing it. It's abuse and exploitation of women. And it results in 70% of women here then retire in poverty because for their entire life, they didn't make as much as men for maybe the same job. Or a non-disclosure agreement, for instance, or NDA, as they're called. They're pretty common these days. And it used to be something that if you left an employer, you you know routinely maybe signed it and you were promising not to share secrets, intellectual property, you know, that maybe you had access to on the job. Well, that's fine. But now today we see evildoers try to silence people making them sign NDAs so the world never finds out about the evil they've done. So now, you know, an NDA, we really have to look at that. Are you being silenced or is it just a run-of-the-mill kind of NDA? I mean, when Epstein and Weinstein, those two famous abusers here in the United States, finally got caught uh, for abusing women, molesting women, raping women, uh, that was one of their go-tos. They made women sign NDAs, and that enabled them to go on abusing women for decades. So is it also the case of having the tools to do what's happening? Well, yeah, um, I I think we do have to do have the tools, and the tools can be lots of different things. But unless you know you need to use the tools, you know, it doesn't matter if you have the tools. If if that makes sense, if you aren't awakened to the idea of abuse, to the knowledge that maybe you're being abused, then you don't ever know to pull out that tool and use it to help you on your way, if, if you know what I mean. How does abuse or how has abuse become so pervasive? 
Well, you know, I think there's lots of answers for that. I think it's the patriarchy in which we live in that created this system where, you know, it's father rule. I mean, literally, fathers own their family, own their children. Uh, And then for a time, the father then handed their daughters off to a husband who then uh, basically owned his wife. I mean, today still, and, uh, you know, some religions, a woman can be raped. And after she's been raped, you know, she's been the victim, she's been wronged, the family can kill her for the shame that she has brought to the family in their eyes. There's just so much of this that we have to rethink and recognize for the abuse and exploitation that it is. I think your book includes alternative spirituality and practices. Could you tell us more? Yeah, of of course, you know, when I was trying to heal from the PTSD, I used a lot of traditional remedies, talk therapy for a little while. I was, you know, used antidepressants. But I used what also would over here, you know, here in the United States would be considered alternative therapies. I used yoga, breathing techniques, which was very helpful, um, tapping, shamanic journeying. Uh, I also did uh, rituals, you know, would, would, we would probably consider goddess rituals, um, cord cutting, things like that, that, uh, that helped me. Uh, also, um, going out in nature, being around, being around the, uh, you know, out in the green areas, um, watching the bird feeder on back of our porch, just kind of uh, soaking in that beauty. And, you know, now psychologists tell us there's really something to that idea of nature being a healing modality, you know, if you will. But the idea of goddess spirituality also was part of the healing for me. I, this book was probably a catharsis because I'm I'm kind of an analytical Virgo, you know, your typical Virgo. I like to analyze why things are the way they are. So for me, looking deeply, unpeeling all of these layers, seeing it for what it is, you know, validating um, the discoveries I was making that wasn't just me saying, gee, this is awful. You know, these things really are abuse and exploitation. And it was recognizing that the values of the sacred feminine, if they were at the center of our society rather than marginalized and considered weak by the patriarchy, then we would all have such a better quality of life. You know, the world itself would be in better shape. Mother Earth, um, the people living on the planet would have a better chance at a better life. And I think we would develop as better people as well if we were focused on the values of goddess spirituality rather than the values that are accepted in patriarchy, like predator capitalism, greed, those sorts of things. You've just touched on it, 
But my next question is, can goddess spirituality help in recognising abuse and providing a, a solution? You know, I, I think it can, uh, but you have to move out of goddess 101, if you will. I know, as I said earlier, when I first got into goddess spirituality, it was just mind boggling to discover the feminine face of God all around the world. To know that, you know, by those Venus artifacts that goddess had probably been worshipped 40 or 50,000 years ago, long before a male god. And, you know, for me, it went from that to sort of eco-feminist goddess spirituality, where you care about the earth. You believe we should be good stewards, not um, raping and pillaging the earth for its resources. And everything isn't a commodity, if you will. And then the feminist aspect of it was about the equality of people. So this, I really made this pivot, and I think in part it was uh, due to this, you know, in goddess spirituality, we learn about women being marginalized, women being second-class citizens. We learn about patriarchy. We learn about the three Abrahamic religions that marginalized women. We learn about Buddhism, who says life is about suffering. It doesn't have to be this way, but yet we we become indoctrinated. And so I really saw a goddess spirituality in this new way of thinking about being a woman, about women's rights, which then became about the rights of the earth and the rights of the species on the planet and everybody else, the 99% of us, if you will, it really cracked the door open for me that the values that we consider feminine values are what we need to save the world. And it's these patriarchal ideas, uh, the sexism, the racism. I, I mean, the, the, I think the force legs of the stool of patriarchy is, uh, if I can remember now, sexism, racism, environmental exploitation, um, or was it three legs? Sexism, racism, environmental exploitation. And I feel like there might be one more. But, you know, all of those things prop up patriarchy, which, and oh, in and, and capitalism. Yeah, that's the fourth leg. So they prop up patriarchy. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't really serve most of us. I mean, just look around the world and you see the suffering. And I'm not trying to say and be Pollyanna and say we could create a utopia. I think there's always going to be suffering in the world, but we have so much uh, suffering because of what religions teach us, uh, because of institutionalized abuse and exploitation, learned behaviors, belief systems that can be unlearned if we employed more values of the sacred feminine. So my final question is, is there a book or books that have been important to you on your particular path? You know, uh, when I first started out, um, I think probably there were three books that really made a difference for me. Uh, the first was Rianne Eisler's Chalice and the Blade. I would recommend anyone who, especially if you're new to this or you don't know about you know, the early histories of uh, of uh, matrilineal cultures, of egalitarian cultures, Chalice and the Blade 
uh, that really opened my eyes to the fact that the world hasn't always been uh, drowning in this patriarchal stew. There were egalitarian societies of equality. Um, so Chalice and the Blade. And then uh, it was Merlin Stone's When God Was a Woman. That was the second one. And then the fiction book by Marion Zimmer Bradley was uh, The Myths of Avalon. That one really showed me, uh, you know, it, it took the Arthurian legend and turned it on its head from the female perspective. And you also saw, saw all of that magic and everything going on from the perspective of a priestess, of goddess. Yeah, I would say those three books. And then I went on uh, to Rianne Eisler's other books that talked about the partnership way and our real wealth. She talked about caring economics and sacred pleasure, which, which gets into you know, how we shouldn't be demonizing sexuality, how women's bodies are uh, exploited. It really, I, I think, really interesting stuff that people need uh, to maybe educate themselves. And then you start to see what's going on out there in the world. I think you look at it very differently. Uh, you look at it as, um, is this, you know, is this domination or is this partnership? Am I being abused and exploited? Or is this maybe a complementary situation of collaboration? And it doesn't have to be winners and losers. I think we can reshape the world, honestly, if more people understood what we're, you know, the abuse and exploitation that we're living in, didn't tolerate it. Um, used exit strategies to extricate themselves from these toxic environments, whether it's family, religion, workplace, political party, so many other aspects. I think we can make the world a better place. I mean, it'll never be perfect, but I think we could do a lot to improve all of our quality of life. On that note, thank you, Karen. It's been I think really interesting to discuss abuse, but also the fact that there is healing and there are tools to overcome it. So thank you for being a guest today. Thank you for the opportunity. Karen says, I believe besides being willing to see and awaken to the abuse and exploitation all around us, we have to use self-care, whatever that means to each individual. Meditation, mindfulness, practice generosity and transparency, compassion and patience. To some, it might mean looking for exit strategies. It might mean ridding themselves of toxic people or look for a new job. Rethink if you might consider changing religions, political parties. It might mean using healing modalities to get us to a more healthy and peaceful place so that we can tackle the changes that might be necessary. Yoga, exercise, healthy eating. I use breathing exercises to push down that anxiety. Self-care comes in many varieties. It can include rethinking our belief systems, educating ourselves, avoid toxic positivity, find outlets that feed your soul and nourish your heart and mind. I did deep dives into different book series for fun and escape from the pressures of the abuse 
and exploitation while I planned my exit strategies. Values of goddess spirituality that might be employed to help shift our own psyches and if we can perpetuate these values out in society would be valuing the sacredness of all life, using gratitude every day because gratitude is a magic bullet. If you feel gratitude it's hard to hate someone and it's easier to feel good and make changes. We should be looking at the interconnection of all living things Value diversity and equality. Choose partnership, not domination or misuse of another. We have to think about rethinking greed. It used to be one of the seven deadly sins, and then it was normalised, sanitised. And it's okay for anyone to practice when it should be taboo. Prosperity gospels muddy the waters in Christianity now too. Riches, we're told, are a sign of God's grace. No. It's mixing capitalism and Christianity. Think of the things that used to be considered sins that we have normalised now. Which of those might we put back into that category of sin? Having versus being is a concept we need to look at. I learned about that from the psychologist Eric Fromm. I am what I do, not I am what I have or own. We should value ourselves, our self-worth by what we do in the world. If we're in service to others, not what we have, our assets or portfolio. Compassionate integrity is a course and principles that are useful in helping us to reshape who we are, improve how we are in the world, and then by association help shift outlooks in the outer world. We need to recognise and practice compassionate integrity. Learn more about a caring economy with a healthy social safety nets for people. More and better workers' rights, less corporate exploitation. Perhaps consider a guaranteed yearly income, especially with AI on our doorstep. We have to be willing to challenge authority figures who do not have our best interest in mind. I have chapters in my book about how exploitation and abuse are playing out every day in academia, religion, the workplace, corporations, military, government, police, social media and media, political parties, society and culture as well as family and friend. We are turning a blind eye. We become complicit in this manufactured consent of abuse and exploitation. We need to begin to actively seek out or demand a better quality of life for ourselves. I think after COVID, many here in the United States hit the pause button at their jobs and decided the low pay wasn't worth the toxic work environments. They began to rethink their values and what they hoped to achieve rather than mindlessly stay stuck on the hamster wheel of enduring abuse for a paycheck. And one final thought is that we have to try to become a bit more comfortable with uncertainty because it's that desire for certainty, even if the certainty is abusive, that often keeps us trapped in the harmful situation. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. See you next week. Bye. Bye.